We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic today, Jared. How about you? I'm not doing too bad. Excited to talk a little bit of baseball. A lot of baseball. A lot of news, hopefully breaking today. If you're listening to this on this fantastic Wednesday, we can start this podcast off with a question. Everybody knows I like to start it off with it. So... If you're listening to this at a certain time, it might have already happened, but Steven Mass is supposed to sign today, Wednesday. Do we think that he's going to sign with the Angels? I I would say no. I, I think I'd heard that he has a two-year contract offer, and like we said, we've heard from the Angels. They only want to give one-year deals out, um, shorter deals and a little bit more money. I think that you're going to have a team like the Mets or – the Giants are willing to give him that second year that the Angels won't give him. And I think he prefers the years over a little bit more money. Yeah, I am. Uh, I know you last year weren't into the Stephen Matz thing. I'm also not into the Stephen Matz thing. It fits the trend, like a lot of players do. Coming from, you know, the Mets, Perry knows very well what's going on there. On the East Coast, uh, I think, didn't Matt's go to the Blue Jays as well? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it fits the trend. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, it fits the trend, but there's also some other some other notable pitchers that, you know, fit that trend as well. Stroman's one of them. I know a lot of fans want want Stroman in here so, in, as an, in, in an Angels uniform. Oh, I can't talk today, but yeah, in an Angels uniform. So I'm with you on that. I, I don't think, I don't think it's there. I'd like it to be. I think that... I think that Matt's is interesting, but I don't think the Angels are all that interested, as weird as that sounds. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, though. So, like, if you're listening to this in the evening, Stephen Matt's could have already signed. If you're listening to this in the morning, you know, weigh on it. I'm I, I'm interested to see where everybody thinks he's going to go. It'll be, it'll be really interesting. So, 
Guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast here, Talking Halos, making us one of, if not the best podcasts out there. I really do appreciate it. We really do appreciate it here. If you want to jump on for a little Talking Fans, message us on Twitter at Talking Halos, or you can follow myself and also message me at Jared underscore Tims and also Nate at Nate Green 34 He also loves when you complain to him because he likes to complain as well. Just kidding. But yeah, go go ahead and follow him there as well and Let's just get on with this here. Angels made a big signing. I guess you can call it a big signing. One of the best relievers in baseball over the past two years or so. Last year he gave up, what, three earned runs? Six earned runs? Something like that. He had a 0.95 ERA. He actually has the lowest ERA in baseball. Minimum 80 innings since 2019. I know that's a very small sample size with short in 2020. And he also pitched three innings in 2020. Uh, 19, but 2021 fan and he had a fantastic season. Aaron Loop signed to a two-year, 17 million dollar deal. Nate, let's get our initial thoughts on this. So go for it. I don't mind the signing. You know, uh, really quality left-handed reliever. The Angels were looking for. Um, yes, it's it's a lot of money, and, and we talk about this, but um, he's been good the past two years. And I know it's been in Tampa Bay, but. You know, he was able to thrive outside of Tampa Bay, and I think that's something that you haven't seen from a lot of guys lately. Either they're really good in Tampa Bay and they go somewhere else and they're not so good, or um, they're just not good anywhere. So I think that um, the fact that he was good in New York in a tough situation is bodes well for him. And I think that um, if you're going to have a left-hand reliever in the bullpen, I think personally you need to have two. So putting Suarez in the pen for me or – or uh, someone else like that, maybe maybe resign or maybe signing another lefty reliever. I, I think that is good. So I don't think that this should be the only lefty reliever in the pen. I think they should get one more. Um, but I, I really do like the move. Yeah, I'm all for the lefty reliever thing in in the bullpen. I think that a lot of people are missing that now, though. Like you've mentioned many times in the past, feels like baseball is trying to get rid of the left-handed pitcher, which really sucks because I think lefties are very valuable. I know you're a lefty as well, so you are very valuable, Nate. <laughs> but yeah, it's I mean, the left the beaver they're really trying to get rid of, not the starters. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that, you know. But yeah, with the three inning, I'm not worried about the three inning, mini, three inning minimum with him. I'm not worried really about much, minus the age, and in a sense, the second year. But even then, I'm really not worried about it. You know, bullpen is is volatile. I understand that, but you know, he's been really good, and I have no issue with. You know, stocking up the bullpen. He's a you know a veteran, a veteran with a very young bullpen. So you know, I, I think the next question is that which way do they go? There's many different thoughts. You can go out and sign a big name pitcher. You know, if you want to sign Stroman or Scherzer or someone on, along the lines of that, and you can you know just stick with that and you know hope to that the bullpen pans out like it did last year, or you know you can sign someone like. Steven Matz, maybe not as big of a deal, maybe an Alex Cobb, though it's rumored that he's getting close to a deal in San Francisco, and then you can also go after Rysel Iglesias as well, and, and we would assume he's going to get probably close to three for 45 in that area, so I don't know, is, is there a good way to go from here? Because I think, you know, this isn't it for the Angels, That's that's for sure. No, no, they're definitely not done. Um, I think that there is a better way than you. You kind of missed one point. Um, I think they could go get a another starter, whether it's a 
Marcus Stroman, who, you know, kind of is feeling like Trevor Bauer 2.0 right now. Um, but maybe a Max Scherzer or someone like that. And then using some resources to trade to the White Sox and go get Craig Kimbrell for one year and hope that you catch lightning in a bottle with him. Uh, he was very good as the closer in Chicago the last year and a half. And then when he was with the White Sox, they didn't really use him as a closer. And, you know, you know, I'm a huge closer fan. And I think that using them and save opportunities is a big deal. It changes the way that they, uh, their mentality is and things like that. So I think if you bring him to Anaheim and say, hey, you're a closer, you're going to get the last three outs of the game when um, we're up by three or less, you know, then he's going to be really good. And I, I really think that the White Sox are looking to get rid of him. They just spent some money to go get Kendall Graveman uh, yesterday. So, yeah, I, I think that they're really looking to move Craig Kimbrell and the Angels and White Sox could match up pretty well in a trade. Absolutely. I, I, I'm with it. I, I like Kimbrell if the Angels can get some money eaten in that deal. I, I think that I, I would love them to sign uh re-sign Iglesias and also bring on Kimbrell, you know, like really solidify that bullpen and, and make, right. that would be fun. I know that's a, that's a pipe dream, but that would be a really fun bullpen. And Nate, I, I feel, I feel like I'm going to get chewed up alive if I don't mention hashtag Stroman to Anaheim on this podcast. I, I know that, you know, it's been trending. I know a lot of people in, in Anaheim want that really bad. I'm the more and more you think about it, the more and more I want it. He's doing a great job. He's doing a great job of Trevor Bauer 2.0 this offseason. I'll tell you that much. Like he is he's working he's working social media. He's trying to get every penny out of whatever team signs him and heck, it wouldn't surprise me if it was the Angels. It, it really wouldn't at the end of the day. I know that we both think that a clubhouse nuisance in a sense, you know, a a, a little bit of maybe a hothead. I don't know if that's the right word for it. Maybe a little bit of a I think clubhouse nuisance is, is the correct word for it at the moment. High guy mentality is the word. What was it? High guy mentality. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I, I, I see that as well. I do. I, but, I mean, Stroman's one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. I, I would love to see him every sixth day in, in, in Anaheim. I just don't know how some pitchers feel about that six-man rotation. I think that's that's why it's so tough to to get any pitching in in Anaheim. You know, I, I really do. I think that Syndergaard fits fit the script really well with an innings limit. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I know we didn't like the the contract that he signed, but it, it makes a lot of sense. And it wouldn't surprise me if they go that direction again with somebody who's not going to throw that many innings. If that's Alex Cobb, if that's Zach Greinke, if that's you know anybody coming off off an injury that's going to throw 130 to you know 100 and maybe 150 innings. It makes a lot of sense. So I know we want that that guy that eats up a lot of innings, but I just don't know if it happens. So let's. I think I'm going to ask this question after any pitcher con- pitching conversation. Who is the next guy the Angels get, Nate? Is it going to stay the same? Is it that? Is it is it John Gray for you? Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with John Gray. I think that's the answer. But I, I really don't hate your Zach Greinke argument. You know, knowing that the Angels only want to give one year deals. But I think Gray's young enough where he he might take a one-year deal um, and prove how good of a pitcher he is outside of Colorado and then go into the market next year and get a lot of money because I think that guy has a chance to be an ace of a staff. He's got that bulldog mentality. He's got that give-me-the-ball, I'm not giving it back to you 
type of thing. So I think that is a possibility that you could sell them on. Hey, one year, eight to 10 million, maybe 12, um, come in here, show that you're an ace and then you can go out next year and make, you know, Kevin Gosman type money. And so I do think John Gray is the answer. Um, real quick with the Kimbrel and Iglesias fantasy land thing. Um, Kimbrel in non-safe situations after being traded to the White Sox had an ERA over five. And we saw what Iglesias was like when not used in safe situations. So please, for the love of everything, just get one closer. Use him in the role he's supposed to be used in to get the final three outs in a close game. And just do that, please. There's no such thing as closers. You, you've mentioned this in the last <laughs> three episodes, that there are closers, and you know it, and we know it, because it works. I'm sorry, I had to mention that. No, I, I'm in agreement. I, it's a different mentality. Nate, you and I have both been there. Uh, anybody who's pitched has, has been there. It's a different mentality to get those last three outs. It, it really is. Like, something different comes over you. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I think that, yeah, you know, you look at it, I, um, I'm in agreement with you on that one. I, I do. I'd, I'd love to see the bullpen get solidified like that. But if you're going to solidify the bullpen, go, you know, maybe get, maybe go look for uh, Josh Hader or something like that. I, I agree with you. So, and, and to answer my question that I asked you, I, I'm going to, I'm going to please the fans. Hashtag uh, Stroman to Anaheim. So let's get on to our next thing. I, I, I well, this isn't going to be the first time we talk about it because this is probably the most interesting Hall of Fame ballot that has been out there in, in quite some time. It, it really is. And I, I don't know what to make of it. It's There's going to be a lot of... It wouldn't surprise me if anybody made it, but it wouldn't surprise me if like five or six guys made it this year. So, Nate, first off, the question that, you know, everybody everybody asks, but nobody has a definitive answer, what makes a Hall of Famer to you? I know that's a difficult Man, that's, question. I, I know, yeah. yeah, it is. Um, I, I think it's someone who was at the top of of the game. They don't have to be the best player in the game, but they've got to be, you know, talked about as one of the best players in the game. Um, and I like to see a like six year span of that, and I like to see their career of being at least a good player for ten years. That's kind of my my thing. Is like they've got to be really good for at least six, and they've got to be good for at least four more after that so 10 there are some exceptions to the rules like Koufax is an exception to the rule because he just had stupid numbers but I think you're looking for a guy who who was able to be talked about in the MVP candidates you know for for about six years and then he was a for sure all-star for the other four yeah absolutely I it for me it's impact the game so I mean he had to been talked about he had to, you know, he had to have been all eyes on this guy for a certain amount of time. You know, impact consistency, if that makes sense for me. I, I that that's that's where I stand on it, um, and that's why you know one of my players is is in this year for me. It's the first time that I would have been voting for him. We don't get votes, but this is the first time that I've actually I, I think voted for him, which is quite impressive looking at his numbers. Um, but, but yeah, you know, and, and then, you know, the next big question for, for us is where, you know, where do the steroids lie? You know, like what, what makes or breaks, breaks it for steroids and, and players that have cheated. I know we're going to continue to talk about this down the road with, I would assume 
uh, you know, Correa and and Bregman, you know, and and, and even Altuve is going to probably be on the Hall of Fame ballot. I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer or get any votes, but it, it's it's something that we're going to be talking about for years and years to come. So where do we lie on the on the Hall of on the steroid issue? Yeah, so I'm not even going to talk about the the Astros cheating scandal because that's years and years down the line. But from from a steroid issue, I think that, one, I, I don't think that they can I, – I, it's hard for me to vote for them to be a first first ballot Hall of Famer unless that they were just absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, so that's first thing. Second thing for me with, with steroid guys, I have no problem voting for them if they were proven to be good – and you could tell that they were going to be good with or without steroids. Um, I don't want to pick. I don't want to tell you who who I'm thinking of, but I mean it's pretty obvious when I say that Barry Bonds is one of those guys for me. And I know people are going to be like, "Oh, Barry Bonds," but without steroids, that guy's a Hall of Famer. With steroids, he's one of the best players to ever touch touch a bat. Um, so I, I think that's where I lay with the uh, the steroids because there are certain guys who like maybe. I guess the things that really rub me the wrong way are, are the guys who like cheated in more ways than just steroids, um, who probably wouldn't have been, you know, all stars without steroids. I think of a guy like Johnny Peralta. He makes an all star one time. I know that guy's not on the ballot this year, and I don't think he will be on the ballot ever. But he's just the guy that first comes to mind, where it's like, with steroids, he makes the all star team barely. Without without steroids. That guy maybe makes five million dollars a year. So, I guess in a weird, long, roundabout way, I'm looking for a guy who was just made a steroid just made him like next level good, not just like oh, it made him relevant. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that one. That that's that's a big one for me. I also, and I don't know if this is the right way to look at it necessarily. This is just kind of where it starts for me. I take off about fifteen to twenty war. On, on most of these guys with that, you know, you know, t- took steroids before steroids were banned. You know, we'll, we'll get into this because there are guys like, like Alex Rodriguez that are on the ballot this year and, and David Ortiz that's on, that are on the ballot this year that I don't know. I don't think Ortiz tested positive, but admitted to using steroids. So I, it, it's going to be an interesting conversation that I think we're going to have here. So I, I take 15 to 20 war off these guys. I know that's not a not a very logical way to do it, but that's just kind of where I start, and then I, I gauge from there on on a lot of players as well. So, Nate, let's uh, you start it off. Give us give us your ballot. You know, give us. I, I guess I mean, if there's any surprises, I'll I'll ask you on it. So, what who would you vote for this year? There hopefully aren't too many surprises. Barry Bonds, um, like I said, pretty obvious guy for me. Roger Clemens, one of my favorite pitchers. Um, Todd Helton might be the uh, question mark guy, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, Kurt Schilling, Andy Pettit, and then last but not least, Billy Wagner. I I like that. I mean, tell us get, why why Todd Helton. That's probably the biggest question I think uh, for us. Yeah, and I think Todd Helton is the borderline guy for me, but to know he was. He fits my kind of time frame. He was a, a potential MVP guy for, for about six years. He was an all-star. I, I think it was um, double-digit times, if I remember correctly. 
I know he played in Colorado, which people are going to be like, oh, that kind of hinders his how good he actually was. But, I mean, he he played really good first base. He raked out of his mind. Um, and, and he played long. He had a five-time All-Star. Um, he was in the... He was in the MVP race a couple times, one, two, three, four, five times, six times he received votes, um, second place in Rookie of the Year. So I think he just did everything, and he did it for a long time. I think that was the thing. And the other thing that I don't know if this is fair or not, but he did it with one team. I think that kind of gives him a little bit extra of a thing for me is that it was all with Colorado. Yeah, that's that's a little that's a little different for me. I, I kind of take it off um, for playing in Coors, unfortunately, but I, I think it's Hall of really good for Todd Helton. I, I don't I can't give it to him as Hall of Fame, unfortunately, but Hall of really good for sure. I think he's on the ballot for ten years, and and heck, might end up making it thanks to Harold Baines when it's all said and done. Because I mean, Harold Baines is not a Hall of Famer, but found his way in the Hall of Fame, and that it, it is what it is. So. My ballot, if I had one, would be Barry Bonds, best player to ever touch baseball, without a doubt. It's a damn shame at the moment that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Hoping that he gets in. Steroids or not, he's a Hall of Famer. He's 500-500 without the steroids. Roger Clemens, same can be said for him. Probably the best pitcher of all time. Uh, Probably a top 10 pitcher in baseball without the steroids. Those two took steroids to prolong the inevitable, which was... You know, retirement becoming bad. Uh, granted, those players' best years came at the end of their career, unfortunately. So, you know, that's that's where it gets tough to, like, where do these guys land if they don't take steroids? You know, Bonds is probably a 500-500 guy. Uh, Clemens is probably 300 wins, close to 4,000 strikeouts without it. I don't know if he ever got to 4,000 uh, regardless, but I think that that's... That's kind of it, and I know that wins and sh- wins and strikeouts and and home runs and stolen bases don't mean a lot in today's game, but well, strikeouts do, but uh, and home runs do, but yeah, it's um th- that that's kind of where I land on those guys, two of the best players, two of the most historic players of all time. It's a damn shame they're not in, and it's kind of interesting when you think about it. Most of the best players of all time, you know, aren't really in the Hall of Fame, or at least four of them, should I say, with Bonds, Clemens. Uh, Joe Jackson and Pete Rose, the all-time hit leader. So I, I think that something should get changed down the road with those guys. Uh, on to my well, I'll, I'll give my surprises at the end. Andy Pettit. I don't think that's too much a surprise. Uh, one of the best left-handed pitchers in in baseball history and should be in the Hall of Fame. I know that the steroid thing is kind of attached with him, but you know he uh, Hall of Famer, World Series winner. I think at least three, four times, and and. and Pretty dang close to a 70 uh, war with Pettit. And I guess the rest of these guys are kind of controversial in, controversial in a sense. Kurt Schilling, I don't care what he what he says now as a baseball player. He was one of the best pitchers of his time, most consistent pitchers of his time for however many years he pitched. You know, the bloody sock. He, he's memorable. And, you know, he just fits the, the Hall of Fame mold. Again, I don't care what he says now. That's not you know who he was as a player. He was just a damn good baseball player. Uh, Scott Rowland wasn't one of the best hitters at his position. One of the best defenders. 
70 war on both Fangraphs and Baseball Reference should 100% be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm hoping he gets in this year as well. I'm hoping the voters, you know, don't don't miss out on this one because Scott Rowland should be a Hall of Famer. Manny Ramirez, another one where I was, you know, back and forth on him for the longest time. I I didn't know what to make of him, but you look at what he did and how pure of a hitter he was. Uh, even at the start of his career, and it's it's tough to it's tough to rule him out. And then what he did in the postseason too, he's one of the best postseason hitters of all time. It's it's tough to rule him out. You know, it, it really is. I, I know the steroids are attached with him, and he was he was a character, but it's something that you remember. He was consistent, and you know he 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 was a good baseball player for for a very long time. Um, on to two of my lesser known, Andrew Jones best defensive outfielder of all time. He should, without a doubt, be in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't care what anybody says. I know the injuries kind of haunted him, and he kind of came off at the end of his career, but should definitely be in. And then Jeff Kent, this is the first year I'd be voting for him. But I think, you know, looking at stats, he he kind of fits where where I would do it. He was, in, he was a very good baseball player for a long time. He wasn't great but he was a really, really good baseball player for a long time. So I think the consistency kind of puts him in there. So, Nate, any questions on on mine? <laughs> I, I just want to know if Andrew Jones did it for long enough. I, I, that's my only thing. I know he was one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball, um, and he was arguably like an automatic all-star for four years probably, but then his decline was super quick. Uh, did he do it for long enough? Is my only thing. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of I, I think that's why a lot of uh, voters aren't voting him in right now. It's because he didn't do it long enough. You know, we saw the injuries and such like that. But I just think it's it's tough not to have a generational player like that in the Hall of Fame. And I think when it's all said and done, I think this is kind of the conversation you have about Shohei Otani, <laughs> which is really interesting. That kind of we're talking about this now. I think that Shohei Otani goes in to the Hall of really good. I don't know because of what he's done, basically, and he's only done one year of it. But I think that you know we see enough of it that that he gets kind of that Andrew Jones treatment, where he uh, should possibly be in the Hall of Fame, but voters might not vote for him. It's it, it, I think it's kind of in that weird that weird middleman. So it, it's kind of like the opposite spectrum of Omar Vizquel, where Vizquel did it for like twenty five years and just was slightly above average for twenty five straight years and made all these highlight real plays and was a good defender. Don't get me wrong, but he did it for so long. The stats piled up. So yeah, I, I, I'm just glad that you didn't put Omar Vizquel in because I can't, I can't do it. I know you and I've argued over that one a while. I know you want him in for Simmons secretly because it helps Andrelton Simmons, but I, I just, he just didn't do enough for me overall to be a hall of famer. But you know, what do we know? Exactly. Yeah. No. What do we know? So, Nate, I think we can kind of cut this off here. You got any final thoughts? Uh, I I know. Hopefully, when people are listening to this in the morning, you know, we get the surprise of Stephen Matz. If you're listening to this in the evening, hope he probably already signed. So, any final thoughts for us? Uh, just one funny story with Scott Rowland being a Hall of Famer. I just remember him making the All Star game his second to last year in the league, and him being on an interview with Kevin Millar saying. Um, I was 0 for 3, and I walked in my last day B to keep my average above 240. That's why I'm an all-star today. And it was he was a replacement guy. Somebody got hurt um, 
a couple days before, but it was just like the funniest interview of Scott Rowland. Like, yeah, you know, I really had to grind out that three-two pitch to walk to make sure I was an all-star to keep my average above two forty because you know you can't be an all-star if you're hitting under two forty. And it was just, you know, really good uh, interview with Kevin Millar and him just going back and forth joking about how Scott Rowland didn't really deserve to be there in either of their lines, but you know, just because of um, who he was and knowing that he only had one year left, maybe that could have been his final year. It was just. Oh, it was an awesome interview. From one third baseman to another, though, I don't know if Millar was, I think he came up as a third baseman. I know he played a lot of first base, but Millar's a, Millar's a clown. Always has been, always will be. So, guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast here at Talking Halos, again, making us one of the best podcasts out there. If you want to join us for Talking Fans, shoot us a message on Twitter at Talking Halos. You can shoot myself a message at Jared underscore Tims and, or Nate Green at Nate Green 34 guys. And thanks so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.